Good morning, everyone. Good morning. That's how you guys sound like from up here. You know, I'm going to start off with a story. The first time I used the word love outside of my family, I think I was about 16 years old. And as a good 16-year-old, this obviously revolves around a girl. And there was this girl I really liked in high school. And one day during second period, I think it was science class, I could be wrong, I'm not gonna say her name because I think some of you went to the same high school I did. (laughs) So I'm gonna refrain from doing that. Uh, She looked my way and she smiled. You know, when you're 16 years old, it really doesn't matter if it's at you or in your direction or even the guy behind you. You just assume, oh, she likes me. She likes me. That's why she smiled my way. And so come fifth period, you know, like a good, healthy 16-year-old, I stalked her. I knew what her schedule was like. I knew exactly where she'd be right before lunch. So as she gets out of the classroom, I'll never forget this. I just walk up to her. I just look at her straight in the face and just tell her that I love her. And she pauses and she has like this really blank stare. And I'm looking confused. Because in my mind, I was thinking, this should work. You know, if I tell you that I love you and you like me, this should work. You know, this should seal the deal. I thought this is, at 16 years old, I kid you not, this is how amazing my pickup lines were. I thought that this would work. Uh, but it didn't work. Uh, it actually would have uh, the opposite effect. She would never uh, look my way again. In fact, as high school progressed, she never, she was very active in not looking my way. And so, um, but why I mention that is because when you look at verse 11, when Joshua says to us to be very careful to love God, he's not using this or saying this like my 16-year-old self which would be something that a Christian just says because it sounds right. He's not whimsically throwing it out in a sense. If I say it, I close the deal with God. That's not what he's doing. He actually uses a phrase. Well, here's a phrase, but in the Hebrew, it's one word, which is be very careful. To be very careful. Which implies that to be very careful means to keep watch over, that it's actionable, it's viewable. It's not just something that's said and done, but it's something that's done continually. And so for us, since this is the central verse of this whole chapter, really, he wants his people, as he's getting old, He's 110 in this passage. In verse 2, it says that he's 110. He's about to to die. He's talking to leaders who are going to take over, who are uncertain what the future is going to look like. And he wants them to remember one thing, which is to love God. To love God. And, And today, the challenge for us today is, what does he mean when he says, Or how can we be very careful in our love for God? And he provides us with two 
interesting answers. I think in a way that we don't typically view love, but I think it's very appropriate and very good, which is through, we can be very careful to love through the obedience that we give God. And the second one, which comes from verse 12 and seven, which is to not intermarry with the people of the land. I'm just gonna jump right in and go to talking about why obedience is the way we can very carefully love God, because you find it here in verse six. If you could throw up the verse, it says to be very strong and to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law, not turning from the right or to the left. And where Joshua is understanding the law and what to be obedient to, he's thinking about, for example, the book of Deuteronomy, which has the law. And that's what he's thinking about what they are to be obedient to. And Joshua is a very good person to be talking about this because as you guys have read through, Joshua, he has been the example of what obedience looks like. I don't know if you remember two Sundays ago, the sermon was actually about Joshua's obedience. And to Joshua, that's exactly how he's showing love to God. And it says here in Joshua eleven fifteen, he's the example. He's telling him, as the Lord commanded his servant Moses, so Moses commanded Joshua, and Joshua did it. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. And I think in our minds, it might be a little hard to categorize obedience to love. Maybe you don't think along those categories, but I'll give you an example, a very practical example of how this happens or how this has happened in your life before, which is just think back to when you were a kid or for my youth students who are in here, just think about yesterday or today, right? And think about your parents. How would you show them love? I think many times you do that by listening and obeying them. In fact, your parents, as you were growing up, give you a lot of probably, as you think in your mind, rules, regulations, and boundaries, right? Like one of mine was I had to be home at nine o'clock at night. Why? In my viewpoint, I hated that because after I watched a movie and the movie ended like at 8.30, everybody else that I knew would go out and maybe grab a boba drink or go out and hang out somewhere else and then they would talk and I would hate to miss those conversations or those times or the stories that they would have. But in my parents' view at the time, I didn't understand that. For them on the other hand, they didn't think along the things that I would miss what they actually thought about was all of the dangers and how to keep me safe. Not because they wanted to spoil and ruin my life, but because they wanted to, for me to have a good life, a safe life, to be protected because they loved me. That's why obedience is so important in our love for God because God loves us. Because it says here, and actually these words come from Deuteronomy 5, that he says in verse 11, it says, you shall there, therefore be careful 
to do as the Lord has commanded you. You shall not turn aside from the right hand or to the left hand. You shall walk in all the ways that your Lord, your God, has commanded you. And listen to this part. Why? So that you may live, so that you may go well with you, so that you may live a long life in the land that you possess. He's telling them that if you're obedient, it's not because I'm trying to control you. It's because I love you. And this is how you're going to live a long life, a long and good life, because I care for you. I'm your father. I've made you, and I've designed you, and I know exactly what you're made for. And I think at times we test that, don't we? Sometimes, even as kids, we, we would push the bounds of it at times, and we would get hurt. And maybe sometimes for you, you, those things happen to you in your life. And we take it as God punishing us. But I don't think that's what God does most of the time, or all the time actually for us. I think a lot of times when we get hurt by sometimes the things that we choose not to obey, it's not because he's punishing us, but it's because we are moving outside of the bounds of what we were designed to do. Like I think a really good example of this is like a rubber band. A rubber band is designed for specific use and can only be pulled for so much tension. Well, if you keep pulling on a rubber band and maxing out the tension over and over again, you are pushing the band to its limits. And eventually, it will snap and it'll break and it probably will stink because it'll snap back and hurt you because you are pushing it outside of its design. And just like with God, he's telling you to be obedient because he loves you. And that's how we can show love to him is by remaining obedient to him. I think always comes the second, I think, harder thing for us to swallow, which is how can we be careful in loving God? It comes through also, not just obedience. He says here actually in verse 12 more clearly, but uh, meaning the same thing in verse 7 when he talks about not mixing with the nations or not intermarrying. Now, maybe your ears are perked up a little bit and you're wondering, why would God say that? Is God a racist? Does he not like all the other people? Does he want Hebrew supremacy in the whole land? Well, no, he doesn't. That's not what God's trying to do. What God is trying to do is trying to help them understand that if they intermarry with the people of the land, it will cause them to have idols in their life. It will cause their hearts to move away from God. Because if that wasn't the case, then I would be sinning every single day because my wife is Korean, okay? And just be frank, it's real, okay? So I would have to ask God for forgiveness every single day. But that's not what God is saying. God understands that when you marry somebody, they're gonna have a great influence on your life. And I'm sure you realize this. I very obviously really realize this because when I grew up, I grew up in a home when my mom was from Brazil. 
And so that was the culture that I was brought into. While I've married my wife, it will be nine years, believe it or not, in September that I've married her. And I am far more Korean now than I ever was ever. And it comes to the adjustment of my palate, right? Like when I first met my wife, I hated kimchi. Oh man, it smells, it's disgusting. I can't get my mind around it when I first met her. But as time grew on, and maybe it was because I was bombarded by it again and again and again, you know, like we would have Thanksgiving at my mother-in-law's house and everything has kimchi, everything, everything. Literally, order pizza, oh, where's the kimchi? We're having Thanksgiving, where's the kimchi? And I'm like, really? In my mind, I cannot see these two things together. But they did, and eventually, my palate adjusted. And now I put hot sauce down on everything. But you see, but that's the influence that my wife had on me. And God knows that if you tie yourself to someone in that way, that that's the influence that's gonna have in your life. In fact, Paul even warns us in 2 Corinthians 6.14, the exact same thing, except he phrases it differently. He says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Because God knows that as soon as you tie yourself with something like that, it's gonna pull your mind, your heart away from God. And we have to be very, very careful, as Joshua is saying here, to guard our relationship with God. And it doesn't just come through marriage. It comes through all the things in our life that cause us to pull our attention away from God. Because we have a tendency to be and allow ourselves to be distracted all the time. And every day, more and more things are being created to pull our minds away from God. Every day, I feel like we live in a world full of distractions. Like for example, whenever I do like, for example, my study, or I do my quiet time, or I work on a sermon, for example, like this, I try to, as much as possible, avoid an electric Bible or electronic Bible for my phone, specifically. Why? It's not because I'm some hipster and I have to have the leather bound with a crafted, you know, it's not like that. It's not that I have to have it a specific way. It's because as soon as I open up my Bible app and I'm looking at it, I'll get an email notification. Like, it's, it's without fail. Like, this week, I'll tell you exactly how my week went this week when I opened it up and I did what I thought I wouldn't do. I get an email notification. And my personality is, I gotta see what that email is. That little red dot above the envelope bothers me. I have to take that off. I hate it. I gotta know what it is. And it just occupies my mind. So I go, you know what? I'm just gonna check it. So it takes the weight of it off of my mind. It sounds silly, but I, I, I think that some of you are like this too. And so I check it. And I read it. Oh, okay, good. Now I can focus back on reading this passage. Well, literally, I, I literally close that and I get a push notification from my Yahoo uh, fantasy. My whole bracket is busted. A team that I did not want to lose lost, and I go, oh, oh no. So of course, 
I can't just check which team lost. I gotta open the app, I gotta look at it and think about all the possibilities, like, Duke, can I still win? Is it possible? Can this team beat that team? Uh, and there goes like 10, 15 minutes. I mean, just scrolling through, thinking about prioritizing that all of a sudden. And then I get a, a text message. Then I get an alert. Then I get another person notification. And the 30 minutes that I thought I was gonna give God, out 25 minutes are gone. And I got five minutes left. And so I give God an excellent five hurried minutes. I just allowed my phone to dominate my time with God. And we do this all the time. We allow the things that come into our life to distract us, to pull us away from God. And that's why God's saying, you have to be careful because these are the kinds of things that will pull your attention away and keep you away from me. That's why in verse eight, the kind of relationship you're supposed to have with God is you gotta hold tight to him. You gotta hold tight. And the way in the Hebrew this is described is that you're supposed to be so close to God that it's almost inseparable. And Joshua, looking out at them, looking out the uncertainty of what their life's gonna be like as he's getting old, as he's about to die, he's looking at them and saying, what is the most important thing that I can tell them right now as the leaders of this land who are going to take my place? And he's saying they gotta know, they, they gotta love God carefully because it is of vital importance to them that they remain obedient and do not attach to themselves, do not marry themselves to things that are going to influence or draw them away from me. That's why in the Bible, love with God is never subjective. If you ever wonder, what does it mean to love God? How can I love God better? Read this chapter. This clearly tells you you could do that by being obedient and by eliminating the distractions in your life. Now, I didn't want to do this originally, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to be personally honest with you today. So this week, I lost my job this week. And it was a very, very tough thing for me to go through this week. And there's a lot of uncertainty in my mind of what I'm going to do. I don't know what my future is going to look like. I've just lost more than half of my income. And I have a lot of questions. But you know, in this time, and I think this passage has been very timely for me, there's one thing I have already learned, which is that I wasn't very passionate about this job. But you know, I have a family, and I'm very reliant on my income. And I probably would not have ever given up this job or easily if he had not taken it away from me. And at times, we don't even realize the distractions in our hearts, in our minds, until sometimes when God decides to take it away. And he does it because he loves you. You think he's doing it to hurt you 
But if you remain with God, he will teach you that sometimes these things happen in your life because he wants you to draw closer to him because he is better and he has something far better planned for you. So I'll close off with this quote that has been very impactful for me this week and hopefully for you as well, which comes from Paul Tripp as he says and talks about this topic. He says, God is protecting our hearts. He is protecting us from us. We can worship God one day only to turn and give worship or our hearts to something else the next. So in love, God lets the pieces of creation die in our hands so that increasingly we are freed from asking the earth to give us what only he, God, can give. He works through loss to protect us from giving our allegiance to the things that will never, ever deliver us from what our hearts seek. This is all designed to deepen our love and our worship of him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are an amazing God. A God that at times is hard to fathom why you choose to do the things that you do. But yet, Lord God, you love us. You care for us. And you want us as your people to return that love, Lord God, to you by eliminating, Lord God, the distractions, the things that will influence and pull us away from you. And for us, Lord, to just simply obey you. And I pray our hearts, Lord God, would comprehend that and not take it as a way of you trying to control us, but Lord God, for us to take that as a way for you to love us because you've designed us, you've made us, you have sovereignly put us in the places that we're in because you love us, because you know what's best for us. And I pray that as your children, we would remain obedient and faithful to you, Lord God, always. So be with us, and thank you again, Lord God, for your good word that gives us, Lord God, so much instruction. And Lord God, it blesses us, Lord God, and leads us and gives us wisdom far beyond that we could ever comprehend. Thank you, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.